The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help! I need somebody. Help! Not just anybody. Help! You know I need someone. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to episode 382 of Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. I'm a physician retired from practice. Our topic today is disabilities and coexisting disabilities. Coexisting disability means that an individual with a persistent physical disability, such as quadriplegia, is also living with another serious persistent disability, such as an addiction, whether to alcohol, addictive medications, or street drugs. For some individuals, the addiction is the disability that occurs first. For others, it's the quadriplegia that occurs first. Either way, the two together create major challenges for the individuals, for their families, for their family caregivers, and for their companions. Now, while the physical effects of quadriplegia are clearly visible to everyone, quadriplegia also produces major psychological challenges, which may be less obvious to people who do not know the individual. Of course, addictions produce psychological challenges. Now, what the psychological challenges are and how these affect individuals depends on which of the disabilities occur first, the age at which the disabilities occur, and the parts of the individual's life for which the effects, physical and psychological, are most challenging. And there may be more than one co-disability. And this is all of this is why our topic, disability and coexisting disabilities, is so important for family caregivers. To discuss it, our guests are J.R. Harding and Dr. Eileen Walkstein. J.R. is a recognized disability leader with personal and professional experiences. As a quadriplegic twice over, author of the book, Now What?, accessibility expert and international speaker. He's contributed to national, state and community policy for the independence and self-sufficiency of persons with disabilities. He served two U.S. presidents, four Florida governors and continuously serves on various community-based organizations. He's the first person with a significant disability to graduate from Leadership Florida and Leadership Tallahassee. He's a co-founder of Florida Disability Mentoring Day. He completed his doctorate in higher education and public policy from Florida State University. And he and his lovely wife, Erica, live and work in Tallahassee, Florida. 
Now, Eileen completed her PhD and graduate education in rehabilitation counseling at New York University, where she's worked since 1981. For 30 years, she was a research scientist and adjunct professor in the rehabilitation counseling department. Her research was funded by agencies such as the New York State Office of Alcohol and Substance Abuse Services, Rehabilitation Services Administration, and NIDRR. Her work experience includes the Division of Rehabilitation Counseling for the State of New Jersey and Director of the Vocational Rehabilitation Department at NY New York Beth Israel Medical Center, where she established the department in the first methadone maintenance treatment program and the first comprehensive alcohol treatment program. So welcome to the show, J.R. and Eileen. Thank you. Thank you, Gordon. Pleasure okay, to now, be here. Right. Now, JR, I just want you to tell us something more about your life with quadriplegia and whether there's anything that's been happening to you today that you'd like to share with us. JR. Well, sure, Gordon. First, life as a quadriplegic is a never ending battle. It's something you cannot escape from and you live with every single day. Some of the biggest challenges, as you were alluding to, um, is sometimes life and balancing life as a quadriplegic interferes with normal life, being a professional, being a member of the community. And what I mean by that was I recently had my gallbladder removed, and as a result, the uh, defecation process occasionally shows up when it's unwarranted or in an uncontrollable fashion. So at a red light kind of finish line, I was handling some personal business, uncontrolled and unprepared for, right before this radio show. And then I chose to disclose to you and to others that I needed an accommodation for a moment to be able to fully participate in the game of these and that That's... in itself is one of those challenges that people living with the primary uh, existing disability need to learn to overcome, need to accommodate, need to share, and not to be ashamed of some of their limitations and need for reasonable accommodation. Right. Now, um, Eileen, I want you to uh, explain to us, please, how you became connected with and involved with JR. How did that come about? Um, I guess 20 years ago, JR, is it? Maybe 25 uh, years ago? Oh, uh, well, it's actually almost 26, but who's counting? <laughs> but who's counting? Well, it's been nothing but fun. Um, I, I, 26 years ago, I was uh, involved with a research and training center grant that uh, a colleague of mine, Dr. Dennis Moore at Wright State University, we received it from the National Institute of Disability Research and Rehabilitation. And part of the, I guess, the senior team involved in this project was a group called NAD, National Association of Drugs and Disabilities, which was a consumer-directed organization of individuals from all over the country who had co-occurring disabilities 
of a physical disability and substance abuse. And it was in that context that I met JR. And if I think about some of the disabilities of people in the group, and JR, you might be able to correct me on this. I remember one gentleman who was totally blind. I know several people who had spinal cord injuries, some not nearly as involved as JR's. And they were from all over the country um, and worked together as advocates, sources of information, and ultimately trainers to try to help other professional groups and consumer groups to understand the challenges of coexisting disabilities. And it was in that context, I guess, JR, apart from the others, he and I formed a very special relationship that continues to today. I think he might admit that at one point I was more like a surrogate mother to him. Um, and we talked about not only his rehabilitation, but finding love in his life. Um, and that has so happily worked out for him. So it's been a very long and a very positive relationship that, as we say, goes back 26 years. Now, JR, I want you to tell us more about your side of that companionship that Eileen's been talking about. Well, uh, absolutely, Gordon. Uh, Eileen captured it at the 50,000-foot level exceptionally well. And I think uh, the focus on, on this piece was I was someone who was learning that he was having coexisting disabilities and that intervention, rehab, and professional services was uh, a necessary part of my journey because I was struggling with finding my place in the world or was struggling with adapting to how did I live a healthy and productive life as a quadriplegic who was then also sober. And so through this uh, um, RTC at Wright State University and this collection of national uh, advocates, uh, policy experts, and just good people, we were able to help one another, help me, and thus help the community advance sobriety and intervention techniques for individuals who had coexisting disabilities. Right. Now, Eileen... You're a specialist in alcohol addiction rehabilitation. To what extent was that useful in your joining forces with JR, your companionship with him? Well, I, I want to be specific. Um, in my work in, in substance abuse, it has always focused on issues of vocational rehabilitation. So I have never been a primary substance abuse counselor. Uh, but I have focused on helping people return to maximum capacity in the community, regardless of what that takes. Now, I think one of the unique reasons, well, one of what I brought to this group and to this research project and to the training was something that very few people had at the time, was not only my degree in vocational rehabilitation counseling, but also the nine years that I had spent at the uh, Methadone Maintenance Treatment Program building a vocational rehab capacity within what was the pioneering program. And we had 200 patients when I started and 6,000 when I left. 
Um, so again, I, I was able to bring my, my perspective as a voc rehab counselor and my perspective on substance abuse and tying those two together to try to advocate, help, educate, um, and identify possibilities for people with coexisting disabilities. Very, very important and interesting. Um, now, I, we have a, a duty to perform, and it's what I call paying the rent. In other words, we've got to take a short commercial break, so we're going to do that now, but we are coming back. So this is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guests are J.R. Harding and Dr. Eileen Walchstein. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel, CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio, and sharingtheburden.ca. Please stay with us. We will be back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. What sets apart VoiceAmerica.tv from the other video content providers on the Internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main VoiceAmerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now. 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Dr. J.R. Harding 
and Dr. Eileen Waldstein. Our topic is disabilities and coexisting disabilities. So both of you, let's now talk about the challenges created by serious and persistent disabilities in which the coexisting disabilities are addiction, which have reached the stage themselves of serious disabilities. So JR, please highlight for us what you see as the most challenging of the challenges that addictions create for individuals living already with serious and persistent physical disabilities. JR. Well, and, and from my perspective, the most challenging of the challenge problems faced by individuals with um, obvious or hidden disabilities and coexisting substance abuse disabilities is the, the, the acceptance of the disability, finding the meaningful place for them in society, and having a fulfilling sense. So, in other words, maximizing your skills and abilities, achieving some level of self-sufficiency, and finding that independence and not having to be dependent upon others. And I think the substance abuse component negatively influences all of those life goals each of us are trying to achieve with or without a disability. But the substance abuse really interferes with the vocational piece and then directly affects your well-being and your physical situation, which then in turn might again, once again, affect your work and your vocation. Right. Eileen, please highlight for us what you see as the most challenging of the challenges that serious and persistent physical disabilities create for individuals living with addictions. Eileen? Well, I think that um, the, the life of addiction is so unique to itself and also unique to each individual. But more than perhaps life without a disability, one lives in the moment, one lives for the acquisition of drugs, one lives in being high and then acquiring drugs. So it is a cycle and it's a cycle that requires certain psychological skills, social skills, personal skills, um, and so it's, it's very much enmeshed with the person and who they are. And one has to believe that for whatever reason, psychological, chemical, neurobiology, the person has um, become involved in a life of drugs. And that becomes the life. Um, the, the issue for people at this point when they acquire a disability is that all of a sudden this life, which in many ways has been avoidant and in many ways thrill-seeking and many ways counter what you and, how you and I might live our lives, is now thrown for a loop in having to deal with and be confronted with a whole host of problems that were unexpected and create very significant challenges to the way you've lived your life, the way you've acquired drugs, um, who you are, how you see yourself, how other people see you. And for many people, family did not know that the person was addicted and all of a sudden it's obvious. It affects the whole situation in hospitalization and care. Um, it is, it just, it, it, it challenges everybody 
um, the individual caretakers, family, community um, in a very profound way. This takes me to JR to ask him about something you just mentioned, and that is the challenges to the families and the family caregivers of individuals living with serious persistent physical disabilities and with addictions. So, JR, what are the challenges you see for families and family caregivers? JR? Well, I, they're all over the uh, playing field on this issue. First, from the uh, family point of view, is addiction um, interferes with your communication, with your honesty, with your finance, with your health, with your roof, all kinds of uh, central elements to just being able to thrive as an individual with or without the disability. Then you throw in the disability component. So how are you able to differentiate between what you really need in terms of assistance from the medical community, from your personal care providers and so forth, and and what kinds of games might you be playing? Um, might you be going to the doctor and asking for additional uh, prescription drugs that you may or may not need for uh, perceived uh, challenges with your disability? Sometimes there's real pain. Sometimes there's phantom pain. And that then in itself can create another addiction besides the addictions that you brought. So um, in my case, I, I think the, the, the challenge of the challenge is losing your life and losing your family and thus losing the core supports that each of us need. Now, back to Eileen. Please highlight for us what you see as the most challenging of the challenges in I'm going to call it rehabilitation of individuals living with addictions as well as the serious and persistent physical disabilities. Now, if rehabilitation is not the right word, put me right. Eileen? Well, I mean, we can talk about rehabilitation in a broad sense. And from that perspective, we would talk about the educational, social and vocational. And I always add the spiritual aspects of a person's life, those things that kind of if they all work in, in unison, uh, can help a person be um, a more complete person. Um, the thing that I want to underscore is the individuality of care. And although we've talked about addiction and disability, I think it's primarily important to recognize that each person is an individual and that the challenges of care really come down to understanding who this person is, who they were before they had an injury, what their life was like. It could be somebody who's lived on the street, who doesn't have a family, has had no degree of stability, and is challenged in every aspect of their life from somebody who has lived a more uh, gifted life, if you will, with lots of supports. So I think that that is important, and it's important in rehabilitation to understand who the individual is, what their life was like, and what the impact of the disability is on their life. So it takes, and, and the other thing I think that is critically important is not only the individual, but that care becomes person-centered. If I were working with JR, 
I'm in no position to tell JR what he should do, what he needs, and how he should go about getting it. My goal would be to engage with him and find out what his, what his, what his fears are, what his insecurities are, as well as what his dreams are. Because without that individualized approach, I'm making him just an entity when he's very much a person. Um, and I think that one of the things that is really noteworthy is that despite so many complicating situations, he has created a life for himself that is just, it's remarkable. Um, I call him, you know, I, I hate the title poster boy, but he really is an example of, he used all of the resolve that he had before his injury, and he's used that to maximum his life post-injury. So he's just, um, he, he found it in himself to get to a place that many people would not have been able to. And I don't know that any helpers would have thought that he could have gotten to the level that he got to, which is why we have to listen to each person and find out what their dreams are and what their goals are and what their natural resources are to get there. Right. Now, I want to go back to JR. You, you spoke of losing family. Please say more. What did you actually mean by losing family? JR? Well, um, Gordon, that's, I, I think, at the heart of this issue, substance abuse is a destruction vehicle. And after a while, family and friends also get sick and tired of being sick and tired. And if you don't have some of those core natural supports that Eileen was speaking about, on an individual level, the journey to self-sufficiency to the highest level possible, to making community contributions, having a sense of self-worth, and knowing that you can change your stars because you set your goals and put them forth. Um, family is kind of like, you know, the basement. You lose the family and the legs go out from underneath the chair. That's what I mean by family. Um, Eileen, that's something that you mentioned too, the question of family and the pressure on them. That idea that the lights have gone out in the basement when you lose the family. Eileen, what do you say to that? Well, you know, again, from an individual basis, JR has the benefit of having an intact family of professional people who are smart and filled with compassion that ultimately came to see him and accept him as he was. And that was not always the case. And I, I would not speak about that, but JR has been very open about that. So you can imagine a family who never expects a life to turn out the way JR's life turned out. And there is disappointment, there's regret, there's anger, there's frustration, there's fear, there's all of those things. And we all know that there is an intact family is a major resource and support for anybody under any circumstances. People could argue with that, but I would, I would debate it and the research would debate it. So the idea, you know, is that there's, there are these people who ostensibly have unconditional love for you despite what may be going on. And even knowing that they're there and hoping that someday they'll come around is what keeps the light going. Right. And in JR's case, 
he probably wasn't always sure other than probably his mother was always there, but he knew that they were there and hopefully that they would, they would all rally, which they have all done. But it's the knowledge that they exist and that the potential is there to try to make life better for him and give him a better sense of family and community um, and ex- expand his universe uh, yeah. beyond himself and his wife and his brother and his brother's kids and his parents. I mean, it just makes it so much of a richer life. Right. Now, we've come once again to the tyranny of time, taking the break. So we're going to do that now. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley and my guests are Dr. J.R. Harding and Dr. Eileen Wolkstein. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel, CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio and SharingTheBurden.ca. Please stay with us. We're coming back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America Interactive Radio Player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. What sets apart VoiceAmerica.tv from the other video content providers on the Internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main VoiceAmerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now. 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Dr. J.R. Harding and Dr. Eileen Wolkstein. 
Our topic is disabilities and coexisting disabilities. Now, both of you, let's talk about help for individuals living with the challenges created by serious and persistent physical disabilities in which the coexisting serious disabilities are addictions. So first off, Eileen, with you, please highlight for us what living responsibly means for individuals living with the challenges that we've been talking about. What is living responsible, responsibly? Eileen? Well, I guess I would what I would say is going back to the issue of everybody's an individual, no two people will follow the same patterns, nor did they have the same patterns before an injury or an illness occurred. And, and so it speaks to, it's, it depends on the person. The fact that a person may not be able to engage in competitive employment doesn't make them any less a member of society than somebody who can engage in, um, in competitive employment. So it's responsibly, it's responsible to myself, um, to my person, to people around me, to my community, so that I am, you know, so that my needs are not burdens, they're a part of my life. My, um, the efforts that I make for myself are relevant to me and to my community and my life. So it's finding a maximum ability to function at a maximum level of independence that's really very individually focused. So we can't make assumptions nor should we make judgments about people based upon the level that they can achieve as long as it is the best that they can do. And I mean, I, that's always been my goal and I think that's the goal of rehab is to help people define what the best is that they can do and help them get there, again, very individually constructed. Right. JR, please highlight for us the help that enables individuals living, as, you know, with, as we're talking about, with serious and persistent physical disabilities to live responsibly in the way that Eileen's just described it with the challenges that addictions create for them. JR? Well, I'd have to pick up on Eileen's point of view, which is it's an individually focused outcome based on individuals' capacities to contribute to society in whatever way is best for them, whether it is competitive employment, whether it's volunteer, whether it's part work, or maybe it's just simply being healthy and contributing to the arts and the culture. Either way, each individual needs their plan of self-sufficiency, what makes them happy, what works for them. From uh, a deeper level that the individual, and like in my case, you need to find the right supports. You need to find the right friends, the right kinds of input, the right kinds of counselors. Maybe it's a faculty person. Maybe it's your school teacher. Maybe it's your football coach. Maybe it's a local AA meeting. Maybe it's the Spinal Cord Association. Maybe it's the Center for Independent Living. Maybe it's your VR counselor. But any and all of these folks can play a critical role in you living with your addiction and conquering your primary disability and how those two interact with one another and your particular goals that you've set for yourself 
to be able to allow you to express yourself and uh, make a contribution. Right. Now, Eileen, it's basically the same question, but turned around. That is to say, people, individuals who are living with serious, persistent physical disabilities, um, what kind of help do they need um, when they're also living with addictions? Eileen? Well, I think from a, from a rehabilitation point of view, and, and JR speaks about it from that perspective, but certainly from his personal life experience, it's to understand that there are two, maybe three, maybe four disabilities that the person is dealing with. And I use the word disability, I don't use the word handicap very specifically because it's a handicap means you can't, a disability means that there's possibility in, in, in the way I have been trained and the way I've practiced. So the, the big challenge is that there are many people who've worked with people with disabilities and are not comfortable with substance abuse, don't understand it, and therefore may not, may not address it, or if they know that a person that they're working with, with who has a disability also has substance abuse, may not be as responsive to them and may in fact reject them for services as, you know, and particularly helping them to aspire to their maximum level of ability. Same thing is true for people who work in the substance abuse world they know that world, but they may know nothing about the world of disability, whether it's physical, psychological, cognitive, or some combination of them all. And they may um, just not feel uncomfortable with it, turned off by it, scared of it, um, uh, intimidated by it. So the real, the real uh, I guess, determining factor in providing the best care is to understand each of the disabling conditions, but also how they come together and are lived out and how they have been experienced by the individual and their family and what is their situation in the community. Because without that total understanding and that total connection with everything that the, that the person is, then they're not going to be able to help them receive the best of care um, and they're going to be denied or they're going to be seen as not motivated when in fact they are just not understood. And so it goes back to the individual, it goes back to it being person-centered, and it goes back to understanding the confluence of both of the conditions, their implications, the challenges, but particularly the strength that the person brings to that situation so that they're not um, forced into or not helped to attain the best that they can in living their life most fully. Right. Now, JR, please highlight for us the help um, for families and family caregivers that enables individuals living with these physical disabilities to live responsible responsibly with the challenges that addictions create for them. In other words, let's focus on the families and family caregivers. You've, to you've both spoken about them. What kind of help do they need? JR? 
Well, uh, first is awareness and kind of like a, a mindset. And I'd like to couch it in the living, learning, and working motifs. Everybody wants to live well. Everybody needs the capacity to learn, and everybody needs that capacity to uh, to work in a meaningful way. And so I kind of wrap your question in, though, how do we help or empower families and caregivers? Well, is it a uh, living issue? Is it a um, learning issue? Is it a working issue? Or is it all wrapped up in it with something interfering with that? That's beyond that of the obvious disability, which might be the hidden substance abuse or the coexisting disability. And so families and caregivers need to utilize the resources that are in their communities. Maybe it's not right there in their hometown. Maybe it's at the state capitol. Maybe it's at the national office. Maybe it's a national association. Is it AA? Is it uh the National Association of Drugs and Alcohol and Persons with Disabilities. Is it um, one of the other um, programs like AA uh, within the community? Is it um, a treatment facility? Is it your vocational rehab? Is it your developmental disability service provider? All of these folks know of and are aware of resources. And the question then becomes, is the family to know that they're not the only ones dealing with this. They don't have to reinvent the wheel, but they need to have the wheel fit their son, their daughter, their loved one, their brother, their sister, and everybody needs to get on the same page. So from that standpoint, it's hard to counsel abstractly, but it's there. And today we have Google. We have, you know, the Internet. We don't be afraid to ask the question of what's going on and what's interfering and and, and, um, what obstacles are we facing. I'm going to add a a bit more to this question. Um, These are complex matters. That's overdone, that statement, but it's nevertheless true. And I want to know, JR, do you think that families receive enough, you mentioned the Google and the internet and so on. Do you think families have are given and provided with or have access to enough information to help them really understand what's going on when there's a co-disability that's addiction and a physical disability? What do you think, JR? Well, my immediate answer to the question would probably be no, okay? Because sometimes when you're just abstractly hitting Google and looking for help. You don't know what you're looking for. And if you don't have the right key searches and so forth, you don't know the validity of the information coming your way. Um, Now, um, from a professional point of view, I deal with families and individuals all the time with people trying to find work, trying to find transportation trying to find housing, and a lot of times people need a guide through this wilderness of information that's scattered all over the place, but not coalesced into a useful cheat sheet or step one, two, three, or four, and depending upon the, the community you live in, step one and step three might be two different steps. Right. Unfortunately, we've come to the tyranny of the break, so we're going to take that now. But I think that um, 
this question of people having the information they need that you've talked about, JR, is one of the fundamentals. And I think that's what we all can do more about. Anyway, rather than me lecture, let's take the break. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guests are Dr. J.R. Harding and Dr. Eileen Walkstein. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio and sharingtheburden.ca. Please stay with us. We're coming back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America Interactive Radio Player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. What sets apart VoiceAmerica.tv from the other video content providers on the Internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main VoiceAmerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now. 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Dr. J.R. Harding and Dr. Eileen Wolkstein. Our topic is disabilities and coexisting disabilities. Now, both of you, let's talk about the things that you would like to do, more things, and see done to promote help for individuals to live responsibly with the challenges 
created by these serious and persistent disabilities in which the coexisting disabilities are addictions. So, JR, what more would you like to do to promote help for individuals living with the challenges that we've been talking about? JR? Well, I'd like to continue in, in my world of consulting and public policy by removing barriers to full inclusion, equal access, and equal opportunity in the world of education, of work, of independent living, and just life as we know it in America and in Canada. Um, to me, that was one of those big barriers to me or a driving stake was I was left on the sidelines in the game of life. And I was using substance abuse and other creative ways to cheat or to get in or to create social structures in which I was um, a part of. Now, by removing barriers, we can get to places now. We can get in indoor places. We can ride public transportation. We can't be discriminated um, from a job just because we have a disability. But at the same time, we now need the skills, the education, and the uh, wherewithal to do it. But we also have the biggest barrier of attitudinal uh, uh, barriers in which even though there are 57 million Americans or 1 billion persons in the world who have a disability, most of the world still isn't completely comfortable with persons with disabilities. We've heard it in you know, the taxi industry and Uber and stuff and um, ice, um, service animals not being able to ride in a, in a cab or that, um, you know, you're still coming in through the side entrance of the building because right. the owner didn't want to create a, uh, a front entrance for you. So those kinds of um, barriers I'd like to remove, but I'd also like to remove um, sport and recreation and the opportunity to have fun and to go to the barbecue and yeah, to do the yeah. 4th of July, go to the springtime parade, wave the flag, and essentially not have your disability prevent you from equal and full participation in the American way of life. Great. Eileen, what more would you like to see done and by whom to promote help for individuals living with the challenges we've been talking about? Eileen? Well, JR has really uh, um, articulated it quite well and quite comprehensively, and I know he has spent so much of his time being an advocate for, um, for transportation and equal access in all of the um, activities of daily living. I think one of the, the biggest, and he did talk about that, is prejudice. And there really is a tremendous prejudice. And on the other hand, you know, we're a society that just admires beauty and health and poster child looking men and women. And I think as long as that is, you know, pretty is good and uh, disability might not necessarily be pretty. Um, JR is a handsome man, so he's certainly not pretty, but he is handsome. And, <laughs> but to think about that, it does, you know, it has to be somebody who is that poster, you know, that model on the front of men's fitness. I mean, why can't JR be on the front of men's fitness? Um, and it's that kind of thing that just reinforces prejudice and stereotypes against people who have complicated lives and who have problems. Um, nobody asked for it. Um, we just we all get dealt different hands and we all have 
different confluences of experiences. Um, and I think we're richer because of difference. We're not, we're, we're not, uh, yeah, we're richer because of difference. And I don't think people understand that. I think that people don't have very strong empathy systems. People like people who are like them. And if somebody is in a wheelchair or somebody has cerebral palsy and they're hard to understand, then people don't have the patience and they're not like them. And therefore, they, quote unquote, don't have empathy or don't like them. And I think that that's just to me what's what's fundamentally wrong in our society. Um, And uh, there was an interesting article in The Times magazine this week that I haven't finished. And it's about empathy and studies that are done on empathy and um, its existence, but then when it gets challenged. And I think it gets challenged when you see something that you don't like, um, that's different from you, and then all of a sudden, although you may be empathetic with somebody who's like you, when somebody's not like you, their empathy button goes off. Good good, good point. Now, unfortunately, I'm going to have to um, move us on to the last two questions because of the tyranny of time. Um, so, JR, first of all, very quickly, what is your message for family caregivers who are starting to worry that a family member is uh, maybe developing an addiction? JR. Well, first, I would say confront it head on. Don't avoid it. The longer you avoid it, the bigger the problem is going to become, the greater the risk, the possibility of loss of life the possibility of financial loss, and the possibility of, um, you know, the family falling apart, the loss of the job, greater harm to the individual's uh, disability, and, and perhaps even a good result in death. So I would encourage families and loved ones to reach out and find those resources, bring the interventions because we have more of them today than we've ever had. But at the same time, you got to drive them yourself because nobody is going to give you the freedom of sobriety, the freedom of self-sufficiency, and the freedom to choose unless you advocate for it. Right. Now, Eileen, it's the same question. What's your message for family caregivers who are starting to worry that a family member may be developing an addiction, given that the family member has a physical disability. Eileen? You know, I, I can't say anything more really than, than JR has said. I, I, I would underscore paying close attention. Don't deny what you see or you think. You know, be a close observer um, and create a positive and not a punitive environment in which you're going to have an open conversation um, I think you have to expect denial, but that doesn't mean that you don't keep at it. Um, I think it really is to not be to not be punitive. Um, at the same time, it's it's their responsibility to do your homework, to read, as Jr. said, go to meetings, <laughs> talk to people, get informed. Um, if an intervention is necessary, then engage the services of a professional who can help with an, an intervention. Um, I know many, I have a number of friends, their their children do not have disabilities, but they have problems of substance abuse and they feel like they're at their wits end and don't know what to do. Right. I have suggested that they go to meetings and learn 
and get the support from other people, which gives them the courage to be available and to engage with their family member as, as they can learn and grow together as opposed to learning and growing apart or not learning and growing apart. Eileen, thank you for that. Now, unfortunately, we've come to the end of this superb episode. Um, I want to say thank you to JR and to Eileen for sharing with us everything, your experience, your insights, and your advice. And on behalf of <clears throat> the entire community we're talking about, every, every, every success to you both in your work, your efforts, and the way in which you're growing the understanding on the part of people who need the understanding of the way forward. Like, for example, um, living responsibly and what that actually means, and also what JR has been talking about, which I would call leadership um, for the not only individuals with disabilities, but also for the community. I want to say thank you to our listeners with Family Caregivers Unite. We're starting a new research project called Qualitative Research, which this episode is part of. The idea is to find out what you, our listeners, think about important topics, such as the one we've been listening to, and for you to share with us your experiences of healthcare. Please email me to hear more or to get involved. And also, if you'd like to be a guest on the show, here's how to connect with me. Please email me at docg at Family Caregivers Unite, or one word, .org. Our next episode will be bringing up mom with Alzheimer dementia. Please join us, same time, same spot on the internet. Talk to you then. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being right.